morning, Zion, and to all those joining us this morning. Uh, definitely, we are continuing to pray for healing our community in light of the tragedies that have been going and the injustices. And we pray that we can come together and have a healing and work together. So we want to definitely lift this up in a moment of prayer as we focus on today's sermon message on uh, being living as citizens of heaven and how we can reflect that here on earth as we walk out this gospel message of loving, forgiving, and caring one for another. How appropriate it is on this church calendar of Pentecost and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that we come to an understanding of unity and healing and that we are in desperate need of in our community. Uh, so we want to lift that up in a moment of prayer as we prepare to receive a word from our God uh, and just to encourage you to continue to seek him, continue to trust in him, uh, continue to know that he is able to do exceedingly above beyond what we can ask or think or even imagine. And as our uh, Paul writes in Philippians, right, that he, he is confident that he who has begun a good work will complete it until the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So let us be encouraged to know that God is not through with us. He's still working in us, through us. And so may we be submissive to his will and to be open to be used as his vessels, uh, to be a blessing to all that we meet according to his will. And so let us go ahead and have a word of prayer. Join with me. Mighty God, we are grateful for just another opportunity to be alive in your presence. Father, we realize that we are in trying times and we need your word. We need your truth. Uh, we need your love. We are in desperate need, Lord, of healing uh, in our community. Uh, Father, not only are we striving to survive this pandemic, but also, Lord, the injustices suffered uh, to many. And so, Father, help us to be mindful of how to live and how to love and how to care as Christ has called us to do so. Help us, oh God, that we could be change agents to transform and lead others to be the change that we desire to see in our community. Father, bless us as we prepare to hear a word from you, that we receive your truth, we hear your cry, and that our hearts will be conditioned to be continued to be transformed and changed, to walk out this gospel message as you call us to do so. In Jesus' name, Lord, we pray. Amen. As we prepare to get into this text, I just want to share that uh, my hope is to properly to preach and exegete this text, keeping in mind my heart has been heavy, as many of you have been as well, with the situations that's been happening with the loss of, of Jackson and Brianna and these so many tragedies that are happening that we, too, as a community, need to heal and hear each other's pain and, and realize that we are called to do this together. And so I, I believe the more we can pray and search this and, and see this, that hopefully we can have this enlightened in this text and from Paul, uh, from Philippians uh, letter uh, that we look at now today, verses 27 to 30, uh, primarily highlighting what he says, walk a life or conduct yourself worthy of this gospel, Lord. Another way to translate that part is to live as citizens of, of heaven, the intent he tries to gain at this verse. And so as I think about that as right, what does it mean 
uh, to be a citizen. Uh, you look into the dictionary, um, you can see that a citizen is one who enjoys freedom and privileges of a city, a freedom, uh, a freeman distinguished from a foreigner and, and that is entitled um, and to the franchises and the benefits of the community. Uh, a person, no matter their race, ethnicity or color or sex, uh, has a common protection under the government. And I'm thinking about this right now, as you can sense the situations going on, that sometimes everybody does not feel like an equal citizen when you say that terminology, that how are you supposed to have rights for others, but some are treated differently. And a citizen has protection, national protection, recognition of the individual in the face of foreign nations to be protected and, and governed by the laws under the citizen. So a citizen has rights and has privileges that we can oftentimes see in our community that when one does not feel like a citizen, when their rights are violated and are not treated equally and equitably as others should be treated. And this is a struggle that we deal with in our world, but also we see that within the church, how we too got to be united and coming together. And Paul points this out because he was not treated like a citizen of Rome when he was when he first visited Philippi, a Roman colony. Uh, Paul was was not treated um, as a citizen, but as a foreigner, as an alien, one who is not accustomed and privileged and benefiting from the rules. So he knew his rights and he demanded just to be done to him when they wronged him in just. We find that in Acts 16, chapter verses 37 to 40. Let me read this to us from New Living Translation. It says, but Paul replied, they have publicly beaten us without a trial and put us in prison. And we are Roman citizens. So now they want us to leave secretly. Certainly not. Let them come themselves to release us. When the police reported this, the city officials were alarmed to learn that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens. So they came to the jail and apologized to them. They brought them out and begged them to leave the city. When Paul and Silas left the prison, they returned home to Lydia. There they met with the believers and encouraged them once more then they left uh, town. So I want to highlight here that the, the guards understood that there was a wrong that was done because they did not recognize them as Roman citizens. And the problem here in the Roman colony that if they violated their laws, they possibly could lose the benefits and the privilege of being in the Roman government. So Paul point that out to them and saying, you publicly uh, uh, disgraded us and shamed us and did not give us the proper respect and the rights we deserve. So we demand you correct that. We demand justice. We demand you come and apologize publicly as you publicly shamed us. You need to publicly uh, uh, humble yourselves and acknowledge the wrongs that you have done. And, and But you notice the magistrates wanted them to leave quietly to remove any shame or guilt that they have done anything Wrong, but Paul says you're not going to get away with that, and and so here's the situation that Paul is pointing out to the to church and Philippi that hey, as citizens uh, we have rights, we have privileges that should be honored and respected. So Paul, not only being a Jew but also a Roman citizen, now a friend with the church of Philippi, and then their partners in this gospel message. So he's pointing out the commonality that we have in this great gospel message that though we have come from different ethnicities and different places, but yet we have a commonality, we have a right and a purpose that, that should be given uh, to us. And so we're going to highlight that what we discover from this text in Acts, the rights of a Roman citizen. A Roman citizen is entitled to a trial. They are not to be subject 
to, to public beatings without a prior trial. And Roman citizens should not be put in jail without a proper trial. The Julian law forbade binding or beating Roman citizens without a trial. And so Paul had his rights violated and the minute that their, uh, their right will be, uh, their right be, uh, their wrong will be made right. And so he understood the pride of the citizenship. He relied the purpose of this of this privilege of the status that he has and the people of Philippi have since has since this pride of this high said to be known as Roman citizens amongst other colonies that are not Roman colonies that do not benefit uh, from the Roman Empire and so as citizens they will abide by the laws of the land and they are subject uh, to the authorities so therefore Paul exhorts them in this thought of citizenship as a key quality of living out this gospel not only do you benefit as a being a citizen, but you're also under the subject, under the authority of the governor of the law. So we, too, are under the subject and the authority of the governor of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, as we are citizens in heaven, though we are still here on earth. So let's let's look what Paul says in this Philippians letter, verses 27 uh, to 30. It says, above all, you must live as citizens of heaven. Conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. Don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. This will be a sign to them that they are going to be destroyed, but that you are going to be saved even by God himself. For you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. We are in this struggle together. You have seen my struggle in the past, and you know what I am still in the midst of it. And so he's pointing out to them, right, we have a commonality. You saw my struggle. You saw my suffering unjustly beaten publicly when I came to visit you. And we initially had this responsibility, and yet... I want you to be encouraged you that as I was able to endure this and I'm still proudly proclaiming and preaching the gospel, I'm encouraging you to do the same thing. And so notice what is pointing out that he says that uh, this this main thing, this one thing he's pointing out to them. He's exhorting them uh, uh, this one thing above all. New Living Translation says or only this basically is saying, hey, I want to encourage you to not lose focus of all the distractions around you, but what you are called to. And so here's the thing. Only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. A New American Standard Bible has it. Uh, uh, it's, it's translated as an intent. A New, Li- New Living Translation points out the intent of this word, this Greek word. Above all, you must live as a citizen of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Another way this Greek word is translated that we're having to conduct yourself or live as a citizen is basically a, a word that includes the word of city that we how we ought to live to conduct and basically under the guidelines of one that is properly of a citizen abiding and governed one has ethics one who has morals one who's living according to the common code or, or the commonality for the good of the community and so this greek word is being translated um by new american standard bibles as conduct along with the majority texts while new Lever- 
translation points it out as live as citizens, but yet the, the tense that he's pointing out to that he's dealing with a commonality that they are Roman citizens and they are citizens of the kingdom of God and he's trying to equate them, help them to understand just as you live out and walk out this life here on earth, you need to understand those same principles are applicable to walking out this gospel message and obeying the higher rules, the higher standards that God has set because God teaches how to love and forgive while the world might teach how to be hateful and vengeful. And, and so we need to understand how we need to separate the two, the two and make sure the message is clear that love is what we're after. Healing is what we have to change is what we have to not anarchy, not chaos, not division, but unity. So when people are, are perpetrating and acting and causing division, they're not working towards the same goal as we are trying to work for unity and healing. In the community, and we cannot allow the message get clouded and misstrewed, but we have to continue to proclaim truth in the face of power and let them know that love is going to win out. And so we look at these point of how we ought to live as citizens, that the imperative presents a middle command to live as citizens of Christ. And so we must live this life as we are citizens of Christ, that we are are first and foremost going to be a part of his internal kingdom. And so living that out right now is what we're called to do. And so here, as we walk this out, the citizenship and this friendship we have uh, with Christ. And notice how also Paul has pointing out their commonality as citizens and friendship, as this is a letter of friendship. Uh, he is familiar with them. He's loving towards them. He's committed towards them. And so he appeals also to their friendship and their citizenship and having the same mind of Christ and this model of living. And so he's building up this argument about how what does it look like to conduct yourself in this gospel message right here in verses 27 to 30. We will further unpack that as we continue on this letter in the second chapter. And so he says that the citizen has a commonality as well as a friendship has a commonality. And it also includes an action to show one's commitment to what they have in common. And what they have in common is their relationship with Christ and their citizenship and their call to preaching and proclaiming this gospel. And so living as citizens uh, has some some qualities that Paul points out. And I want to highlight three qualities that he speaks of to how we ought to live out. Uh, as citizens in heaven, these qualities should be exemplified in us walking this out. And one of the quality is integrity. Uh, living, knowing God is always watching. Uh, above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourself in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit. One purpose, find together for the faith, which is the good news. And so he's pointing out that we need to live this gospel out, whether Paul is Paul's pointing out to Philippians, you must live this gospel, whether I come or I do not come. Uh, you are still to honor and walk out this gospel. How much more, too, that we, too, are to be able to walk out this gospel message, whether we think somebody's watching us or not watching us. We should be reminded that God sees all. And he's watching us. So whether we're in the dark or whether we're in the light, it's the same to God. He sees us, though we might be hiding from others. We are called to live out this gospel. And so he's pointing out to them that you have this quality of integrity to live it out. And then he told them that as you live this quality out, you have to stand together. So that's another quality is unity. 
We are to stand together. Uh, when we are standing together, it means is that we are, have a commonality. We are standing on the same page. We are united for the same front. We have the same goal. We have the same purpose. So not only do we stand together for, with one spirit and one purpose, but then the third quality says we fight together for the faith, which is the good news. And so the call for unity is needed as the opposition is looking to break our spirit and cause divide amongst us. And so we, too, must stay united as the saying says, united, we stand, divided, we fall. And so know that the, the quality of this unity of standing together is that we stand together with one spirit, with one purpose, and we fight together for the faith of the good news. So be mindful the enemy is looking to attack you and destroy you. Uh, he wants to not allow unity, but he wants to have division because as we just alluded to right to saying, united we stand, divided we fall. So we must be strength together. We must strengthen every week and week. We must tighter, tighten up our, our, our swords and our borders and everything to make sure we are together and a united front. And then thirdly, when we fight together, we have this quality of tenacity. Uh, to be known as a tenacious person is one who looks to hold on. Uh, to whatever they have, their, their morals, their purpose, their goal, to have a sense of I'm going to be contending and attaining and abiding after this. This goal of this gospel is something worth fighting for, something worth living for, and definitely something worth dying for. This goal of this gospel, Jesus shows us that no greater love than this is a man to lay his life down for another. This goal of the gospel understands that we have problems, we have issues, but yet love is going to win out. That's why for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. When we understand this gospel message, a message of sacrifice, a message of service, a message of giving, then we can remove our pride, we can remove our egos, and we can start looking to uplift and encourage somebody more than we are concerning about ourselves. But be mindful, though, as we're trying to walk out this gospel and be tenacious, we got to remind ourselves not to give up or be Matter of fact, let me just quote what Paul says in verse 28. He says this, Do, don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. This will be a sign to them that you are going to be destroyed, but that you are going to be saved even by God himself. Paul is pointing out to them that the enemy is going to try to stop you and prevent you from proclaiming this gospels of, of love and unity and healing, and he's going to stop. But yet God is already going to judge those who are opposing him and those who are against him. And so when we are confident to know that our God, who's begun a good work in us, is going to continue to the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we could be confident Though the changes may be slow, a change is going to come. And those who are against will find out that they were wrong because justice is going to win out because God is just and righteous and holy and his will shall be done. And so we are confident knowing that we are saved and we are called to be his, but also we ought to be confident in the same way in the face of opposition that not to be intimidated, not to back down, but to speak truth, speak in love, speak in peace, speak in humility, be the example of Christ as best we can to let others know that love is greater than anything else. And so this unity of the body of Christ will be a deterrence to the enemy. It will point that they cannot divide and, and, and break down what God has built up. If God is for us, 
who can be against us. The gates of hell shall not prevail against God's church. And we are more than conquerors. That's why we can put on the whole armor of God and stand against the wicked schemes of the enemy. The devil has been defeated. Death has no victories. Death has no sting because Christ is resurrected and alive. And so the enemy thinks he can stop us, but he can't kill us. Because Jesus says, I am the life and the resurrection. And so his word of love and healing is continue going to go on. And so we must continue to trust him and walk this out for his glory, for this gospel sake. But yet there's a situation here that Paul's pointing out to them. Not only do we have this benefit of this salvation, this eternal security uh, that we have in God. And as we live out this poverty, we also need to see the, the, the additional benefits of this relationship with Christ and our salvation we have through Jesus. And one benefit we always know about is about our eternity, our security, our salvation, that we have a place over in glory and kingdom and God. But also Paul wants to point out in verse 29, as it reads, it says, New Living Translation, For ye have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. And so not only do we know uh, salvation as a benefit, as a privilege, as a gift, something that God has freely given to us, but this is also coupled with God's grace and his favor is also allow us to understand what his passion is or suffering is. And so we get this word here um, of favor and privilege means in, uh, that is in showing that we have a passion a favor, this favor of passing being inflicted on us, meaning it shows that God has given us the privilege or the honor of suffering for Christ. Uh, this is a great setting for Paul's point out that he finds it as a privilege to suffer for the gospel's sake. He finds himself being a change and imprisoned as a privilege to suffer for the kingdom of God. And so in the view of God's gift that he was given, he appreciates the opportunity to be in prison, to be suffer. For the gospel's sake. And they witness his suffering, right? They witness him getting beaten. They witness him being in prison. They witness him suffering, preaching this gospel. But yet he has not backed down. He has not become quiet. But matter of fact, his boldness had made others bold, right? We read about that earlier, how they are preaching Christ. But right, some are preaching for his pain, but others are preaching for out of love. But Paul is excited as long as, as Christ, the gospel is being preached. The message is getting out. And we too need to make sure we get the message out, that we don't let the message get muddled and turned away and moved out, that people don't hear what's trying to be here, but redirect them to the truth of what needs to be said or what needs to be heard. And we might suffer. For what, for the gospel say, we might suffer because of love, but yet Jesus says this that in Matthew's fifth chapter, verses 11 and 12, it says, God bless you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad. For a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. Paul is asking them to partner with him in the suffering for Christ for the gospel's sake, realizing that you might be persecuted for standing up for what the gospel preaches, what the gospel proclaims, but yet be encouraged that is no different what they did to the prophets before you, but you too can stand up for what is right. And he points out that we are in this struggle together. You have seen my struggle in the past, and now that I am still in the midst, and, and you know that I am still in the midst of it. Paul's imprisonment is, is causing suffering uh, for Christ's sake. 
And, and he's asking to join in this boldness, knowing that I'm still suffering. I'm still struggling, but I'm not going to give up. I'm going to continue to preach this gospel and proclaim this gospel. And so I want to encourage you to live as citizens of heaven. Exercise those qualities of unity, of tenacity and integrity to point out that no matter who's looking, God is looking. And we want to honor him by all that we say and all that we do. And I just want to close this out with this thought from the hymn. Uh, must Jesus bear the cross alone? Must Jesus bear the cross alone and all the world go free? No, there's a cross for everyone and there's a cross for me. How happy are the saints above who once went soaring here, but now they taste unmingled love and joy without a tear. The consecrated cross I'll bear to death shall set me free and then go home my crown to wear. For there's a crown for me upon the crystal pavement down at Jesus pierced feet. Joyful, I'll cast my golden crown and hear his dear name repeat. O precious cross, O glorious crown, O resurrection day. When Christ the Lord from heaven comes down and bears my soul away. Read that first verse to you one more time. Must Jesus bear the cross alone and all the world go free? No, there's a cross for everyone and there's a cross for me. May we humble ourselves, subject ourselves to our king and live as citizens of heaven with the quality of unity, integrity and tenacity, knowing the privilege of salvation and also the privilege of suffering for the gospel's sake. And knowing that there is a cross for me, as Christ calls us to deny ourselves and pick up our cross and follow after him. May we see healing, transformation happen because more surrendering and submitting to Christ. And so when you want to see transformation, first let the change begin with you. And so if you call on Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, the Bible tells us all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And today this message hurts you in a spot and you're saying, Lord, I want to be changed. Just confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins and rose from the grave on the third day and you shall be saved. Then I ask you to follow you and find a, a local church home, a place that you can connect with. Uh, to be disciple, uh, to other fellow believers to study and pray with and encourage. And I encourage you also to text somebody or call somebody and let them know uh, that how much you love them and care for them and how you want to work with them. Uh, maybe there's someone you need to go to apologize. I encourage you to say, hey, I I'm sorry for the wrong that's been committed. May we have unity and stand together. Let it, the change begin with us. Don't wait for them to change. But you be the change that you want to see. God bless you. May he encourage you. Let us pray. Father, I pray that all that was said can be used for the edification and building of your church. Lord, I pray that they hold on to what is true. And Father, that they walk out your truth. And Father, we are just desperate to see healing and transformation in us, in our community and in our world. Father, have thine own way, Lord, we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining me. I look forward to seeing you again.
Remember that Jesus loves you, and so do I. God 